Yo, yo, what is going on, everybody? P4C, that's the name, the podcast, that's the show. It's episode 3030, and we are here to talk not only NFL, we got MLB postseason around the corner. Uh, that's starting up tomorrow. I had to get this in on a Monday so that way you know how I view each team going to the postseason. Obviously going to be watching all those games. Um, Thursday is going to be absolutely wild. Uh, or Friday, I should say. That's when you got four games. And then next, the following Monday, you got four games. Uh, yeah, my eyes are going to be on all of it. I, I can't wait. I got to get you my predictions um, as far as w- how I view each team going into it. I'm not giving, you know, series predictions. It, it's far too difficult in baseball. I, you know. You like to think what's going to happen there. It's not like football. It's not like the NBA. It's not even like hockey. Uh, it, it's just a crapshoot. You, you really don't know. One bounce this way. Uh, over the course of 162, you find the good teams. These are the good teams in baseball. Any one of them can take it to the top. But we are going to talk NFL because it was a wild week four. Very enjoyable week four. Um, we've had some managers fired in baseball. I'll touch on one of those uh, here with one of the local guys. Uh, but overall, happy to be back, happy to be talking about football, happy to be talking about baseball. It's the best time of year. It's October. Let's get ready. It's episode 30 of the podcast. Well, the drought is over. The St. Louis Cardinals are in the MLB postseason. They will face off against the Atlanta Braves in hot Atlanta. That will be Thursday. I think the time is still to be determined. Some of us will still be at work. Uh, anticipating getting off within the hour, or it's going to start right at the time most of us get off work, about 5 o'clock. That's if you're on Central Standard Time. That's where I'm at. And, yeah, I'll be anticipating just like everyone else and can't wait for it, all right? Playoffs are back. You know, I watch every MLB postseason. I watch every World Series. But when the hometown team is in it, it's just more interesting because you got people around you. you got your community who's behind it. It's just it's more fun to take in each and every year when the Cardinals are in the playoffs. Now, I think this is somewhat of a flawed team that's entering the postseason. They did edge out the Cubs. They did edge out the Brewers. But uh, a lot of concerns going into it. I don't know if they have what it takes to get it done, but... Like I always say, every postseason, it's a crapshoot. Baseball is the funny game where things can happen not only in a five-game series, but also a seven-game series, which we'll see in the second round. So, first things first, Cardinals have to get past the Braves in order to go against the Juggernauts and, all likelihood, the Los Angeles Dodgers. So, what needs to happen? The St. Louis Cart, as I'm getting an alert here, yeah, that's Monday Night Football. I'm recording this right as Monday Night Football is getting going. Uh, Bengals and Steelers. Not the most opportune time to record this podcast. Usually like to take in the primetime games, tweet out my thoughts. Uh, this Monday night it will just have to be a little bit different because i got to get these pre- previews out for you for Major League Baseball. So we'll carry on. The Cardinals, what needs to happen? They need to score first. Now, we all know the percentages, at least most of us do. If you score first in baseball, like most team sports, the likelihood to win goes up. It is imperative for this team. They do not have a great deal of firepower when it comes to hanging a crooked number. They don't slug well. They hit some doubles, not a lot. But when it comes down to it, they really rely heavily on Marcelo Zuna, Paul DeYoung gets into one here and there. Now, he hit 30 ding-dongs, but we all know about the baseballs this year. 30 ding-dongs ain't what it used to be. 
they just don't have that potential to hang a crooked number. It's much like the 2013 team, except the 2013 team, as we all know, very historic with runners in scoring position, absolutely historic with two outs. It was pretty crazy. We all know Alan Craig and what he did for that team. This team doesn't have that. They need to score first, and then they need their starting pitching to give them length because they're going to get scored upon a little bit. They're facing some pretty good hitters. Uh, obviously, it's the playoffs. You're facing good hitters, but you, you could potentially be facing the Dodgers in the second round, but even this Atlanta lineup, they got a lot of pop, okay? Ronald Acuna, of course, he's got the hip thing going on. He'll play, though. Um, you got Nick Markakis, who's steady Eddie out there. Uh, Ozzie Albies. Freddie Freeman, we can go down the line. Scoring first is imperative because you're only getting somewhat average length outside of Jack Flaherty with this Cardinals rotation. So, you know, building a lead, getting somewhat good length, and then passing it off to, you know, I'm not going to call it a shark tank, but probably the best pen in baseball to close it out. They only play average defense. Now, I know some metrics really favor them well, the Cardinals. I didn't think they would be this good of a club. In fact, at the beginning of the year, I said Atlanta's going to edge them out for the wild card in the playoffs. That's not how it shook out. But really, this Cardinals defense, they're just so-so. They make the plays they should, but they don't add anything extra. They don't have elite defenders making plays uh, that others wouldn't, at least across the board in totality. We got Harrison Bader, who's obviously excellent out there in center field, but in totality... They don't add anything extra. They're an average team. They make the plays they should. They don't excel anything beyond that. So what it's going to come down to, getting a lead, and then number two, Mike Schilt. He was anointed soon after the firing of Mike Matheny, probably, what was it, just a month after he got that contract extension. I think he's had a good year. But if they're going to go deep into this playoffs, it's going to be because of the manager. It's going to be because the manager knows when to take the hook off the starter, pass it off to the bullpen, when to pinch hit. We don't know the status of Colton Wong. We still got that hammy. Right now, Matt Carpenter is going to be a starter. He really hasn't put together a season in which warrants starting in the postseason, but he is pressed into duty. He's popped a couple homers. He hit one this weekend against the Cubs. And, of course, he had one here in Chi-Town. It's time for him to start heating up. Obviously, it's a postseason. I don't know if you can call this heating up, but he is now the starting third baseman. He would have been a very good option, excuse me, option off the bench in the playoffs as someone who can, you know, hang that crooked number because that's what he does. He tries to lift the ball, but now he's going to be getting three to four at-bats a game. Um, Is Schilt going to substitute him at the correct time? Tommy Edmond, will he, you know... He'll probably stay in the game, right? I mean, he's been one of the best hitters going forward. How is he going to basically substitute out Jose Martinez? This is Mike Schilt's run. I mean, obviously players play, coaches coach. I think the manager is one of the most important people in the ballpark for the Cardinals. Uh, You know, as far as the matchup itself, it's really difficult to gauge just how the pitching staff of the Braves is going to match up because I think they have a slight edge in the rotation. And then their ro- their uh, bullpen, obviously, it's, it's not on the same level as the Cardinals. I really like the fact that their bench pieces are a little bit better. They got a little bit better track record of hitting. And then additionally, I just like their ability to, to score early. I, I'm not so sure I like the Cardinals in the series, particularly that it's starting in Atlanta. I'm tending to lean towards the Atlanta Braves here. I, 
the starters, they're a bit out of gas. Dakota Hudson, bless him, he's been great this year. I've been on him since the beginning. I really thought he would excel this year, but the season is wearing on him. I just don't know, even in five games, if the Cardinals get it out of their starters, that uh, that they can win it because ultimately the hitters on the other side could be getting it done. I'm going Atlanta Braves, five games, Cardinals hang tough, they battle to the end, but ultimately I just do not think there's too many changes. There's too many changes that Mike Schilt's going to have to make in-game, substituting whether it's on the position side, whether it's handing off to the bullpen. When you do that, you're relying upon the next guy to do his job to perfection. I just don't know if they can rely on that. I'm going Atlanta Braves in five to beat the St. Louis Cardinals this postseason. We will get to the final playoff preview, or I guess I should say the whole playoff preview, later on in the podcast. But one thing we need to address is the team that did not make the postseason. The team, I guess I should say it's the hometown team now that I'm here um, in that area. Chicago Cubs, they have fired Joe Madden after four seasons. Somewhat of a... I want to surprising in the fact that four years ago you thought it was just going to be you know a ten to twelve year deal where he'd be at the helm and the roster that he inherited it was just it was a match made in heaven and that's the deal back in 2014 I still remember it clear as day when he opted out of his contract with the Tampa Bay Rays this is Joe Madden I said where the heck is he going to go and one name instantly came to my mind Theo Epstein. Now, they had Rick Renneria at the time, but I thought this is the perfect manager for where they are as a team. All their players are about to ascend to the major league level. They fire Rick Renneria after one year. You have Joe Madden coming in 2015, make the playoffs. They make the playoffs every single year except for 2019, and now he's out. They need a new voice. Their urgency has been lost. And it's very apparent. I think that there certainly needs to not only be a manager overhaul with the Cubs, I think they need to ship out a couple of their players. They've overvalued them a little bit. I think some of them are complacent. You know, when you win a World Series, when you're the toast of the town at that young of age, what really do you have to accomplish besides get that next contract? And as long as you perform, if you have numbers to back it up, you'll get the money that you're owed ultimately. But as far as winning, as far as playing team baseball and taking that next leap, you know, winning another World Series. There's a little bit of urgency loss, so probably a little shakeup in the clubhouse coming too. But, you know, totally warranted. Joe Madden, you know, too much grief to Cubs fans here from what I can glean and gather by following the, the local riders and just some people that, you know, obviously are fans of the team. They really don't like, they, they grew tired of his just innovation, his own ways as far as trying to be match up and trying to rest this guy here and there fiddling with the lineup a little too much. They want more consistency. They feel like the players need that. And probably the players feel like they need that too. So, with that being said, it's going to be interesting who they hire. Um, It's not like a... I don't know if it's so much of an approach as far as outdated versus current. It's not that. It's Joe Madden having his own tricks of the trade as far as what's current in modern baseball. And, you know, it didn't really align with Theo. um, And it really didn't align with how to motivate a culture. And I think that's probably first and foremost is the culture that he was shepherding in wasn't to Theo's liking. So who's that going to be? I keep hearing David Ross. I don't know why that's an option. I mean, he obviously knows how to be a good teammate, 
But as far as X's and O's, you know, when to pull a guy, when not to, Ross doesn't what does he offer that great deal? I don't remember him being that, you know, high IQ of a baseball player. Obviously he was a catcher, but it really just seems like he's just a name. And that's that's not what you want. I mean, you're trying to, again, overhaul our culture here. You're really trying to get fire into the bellies of these players. So I think Mark Loretta could be an option. I think he's number one. I would like him probably if I were the Chicago Cubs. Number two, Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi. He was, you know, he was out for the Yankees for not relating to players, but he is more traditional. He will give guys positions. He will pencil them into the lineup um, until it's time to move them out, until they're struggling. But there's a little more consistency there. And Joe, if there's one thing you know, he sells out for every game. He tries to win each game, 162. He doesn't play for tomorrow. That's not what he does. So that's what Theo's looking for. That's the extreme. And I think he's a good second option. I like Mark Loretta based off what I've heard of him. He's been in the organization a little bit. He knows uh, He knows what Theo wants. It's a little bit about... A little bit like Brad Ausmus, who of course just got fired, but you know he's getting uh he's getting Rick Renteria Renteria right now as Joe Madden's available. It looks like the Angels are doing the same thing that the Cubs did about five years ago. I think the Cubs should look at Joe Girardi. I like Mark Loretta. Anybody beyond that, Mark DeRosa, I don't really know. I like DeRosa, but he still has some. You know, he's on television, so you can't really tell how much is just for the entertainment aspect and what he actually knows about the game. That's difficult. I don't know if I'd like DeRose in the clubhouse. A little nutty. Uh, a little too, you know, this is fun. Don't you love baseball? Like, that's not what you need, okay? You need a little 10% jerk in a manager, okay? Maybe even a little bit more. Maybe 12 to 15% jerk. Does he have that? I don't know if he does. Mark Loretta, I think they, he'd give him a little kick in the ass. Joe Girardi sure would. Cubs manager up for grabs. Joe Madden out. The Cubbies need someone new to lead them back to the mountaintop. All right, let's get in the NFL finally. Have to get, you have to cover the baseball, all right? It's coming up here. It's October baseball come tomorrow. You got the Nats and the Brewers. That's going to be a fun one over there in Nationals Park. I don't even know if they've announced the starter yet, Scherzer or Strasburg, but either way, it's going to be a good one. But the NFL, we had a good week four, really enjoyed week four. I tell you what, all I did was sit on my butt, watch football, and eat chili on Sunday. It was awesome. Probably one of the uh, one of the better days I've had in some time. And can't wait to talk about it now because it was kind of a weird week four, um, you know, you really found out that there's not really a juggernaut in the NFC. The Chiefs and the Pats, uh, they even hit some speed bumps, uh, but they still won. They remain undefeated 4-0. Them and the Niners are the only undefeated teams left. But, um, you know, we learned some things. There are some teams that probably don't look so good as we thought. Certainly one that I need to own up to, one that I thought would be great. They absolutely stink. They've been awful, and I'll get to them in a minute. I'm going to first start with a different team. This is going to be our trending down segment. Now, to clarify, these aren't teams that necessarily, you know, we knew would be trending down. I'm not naming Washington. Okay, we knew they would stink. We knew the Raiders would stink. Okay, they won yesterday, but they're still going to be awful. 
Uh, and we'll get to trending up in a minute, which that's not going to be the Chiefs. That's not going to be the Pats. These are the tweener teams as far as where they're headed and the ones that will ultimately fill out the postseason and those that will be just out, those looking on in for the NFL playoffs. So let's start with trending down. Los Angeles Rams. Holy cow. Holy cow. Jared Goff threw for 500 yards along with the offense. They gained 500 yards through the air. He threw the ball 68 times. You would think it was one of the most prolific outings you've ever seen. No, he was awful. He threw a pick six. I think he threw total two interceptions, three. He's not been good. He has not been good. The playbook has not changed for the Rams. It's really not a good thing. It's the Joe Gibbs playbook where you take a few plays and you change their um, their routes a little bit depending on the opponent. It was very smart of McVay to do that at the beginning uh, of his tenure with Goff. However, it's a skinny playbook. There's not many of them. It relies upon timing and precision route running from the receivers, which they're still getting. But defenses have now found to stop it they now know the entirety of the playbook and when timing's a little bit off when you got a receiver not running the route correctly Jerichoff will not play well when you blitz him when you speed him up he doesn't deliver the ball on time and right now I tell you what I would have thought giving him that contract extension you at least could see a progression in training camp you saw him take strides with a little bit deeper of the playbook, adding a little bit more in. Right now, it's the same. I don't like where the Rams are headed. They're not protecting them as well. Jared Goff and the Rams are not headed for a good place right now. Their offense really needs to evolve, and right now, you haven't seen it. Number two, Minnesota Vikings. Good grief, they won't change anything during a game. I mean, I understand Khalil Mack's monster. I understand the Chicago Bears. I'll get to them in a minute overall that they're playing outstanding defensive football right now. But they didn't even move the pocket for him at all. They just kept dropping Cousins back, asking him to deliver it uh, You know, very few times. They still tried to stuff runs in there every other play. It's just absurd. Tony Romo said, yeah, it's about 60 to 65% of the time. Just dumb. This isn't 1994. It's 2019. You have to throw the ball through the air. It's more efficient. Mike Zimmer needs to get that through his head. But Stefanski never moved the pocket for Cousins. Move the linemen. Move them away from the defenders to set up a deep pass. He just kept dropping them back straight. I don't know what you're doing. The Vikings, good defense, offensive identity, need to find it. I mean, right now you're only going to beat the bad teams and you'll lay down for the good ones. The Denver Broncos. Wow, I really thought they were a defensive team, but they just got stuffed by Leonard Fournette. 228 yards on the, or excuse me, 270 yards on the ground, including an 88-yard scamper that set up a touchdown to ultimately get them back in the football game. The Denver Broncos, you would think, based off what you hear about Vic Fangio, that their fundamentals would be pristine. They're awful. Okay, the run defense sucks. I don't know who's on that front four anymore. Uh, Bradley Chubb, he's out for the year. Torn knee. But overall, they just they can't cover anymore. Bradley Roby is a shell of himself currently. It, it hasn't been a good year for Denver. Joe Flacco, I think he's still got some game in him, but ultimately he's got to have pretty much nearly perfect conditions around him. Right now, that's not it for Denver. They are trending down. Next, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm watching them now. You know, I'm kind of out on this game, I'll be honest. About 520 left in the quarter. Bengals are up 3-0. But ultimately, Mason Rudolph can't get it done. I've said it before. He doesn't really have a good grasp of 
particularly this playbook, but overall just NFL routes in general. I think it's going to be a sorry year for them. I don't know what they're doing trading a fifth for, uh, what's his name, Vance Bennett or, you know, that tight end from Seattle. I mean, he's no good. <laughs> and then you already traded the first for Mika Fitzpatrick. I really don't like where they're going. Steelers have, they have like late surge written all over it to where they're going to tease you. But really, this is where the season is going to be. It's going to be week four through like week seven. And this is what's going to cost them because I don't think they're going to play well. But really, like maybe like week nine through week 13, you might say, hey, here come the Steelers on the edge of playoff hunt. But ultimately, they're going to get doomed. It's going to be doomed right here. I have the Bengals winning this game. Again, they're up 3-0 currently here on Monday night. And then lastly, trending down. Absolutely trending down. The Atlanta Falcons, they just they got burned by Tennessee, who again just kept Matt Ryan in check, kept the offense in check, the offensive line. They, they've overvalued it. I think they hit – I mean, they got those two draft picks. Okay, you got their center, got their guard – um, or excuse me, their tackle. But, the, I mean, they haven't been good so far. And maybe it's just because they're young. But overall, the unit has not played well. Matt Ryan, again, is throwing the ball. It was like 50 times. And Devontae Freeman is not rushing for any yards. Devontae Freeman and the rush offense in totality. you got to be able to run the football. You cannot rush for, what was it, 54 yards? Might look it up here real quick. But they, they have just been awful on the ground through the air. Obviously, they're very talented, but they just, again, that's a very timing-based offense. You've got Dirk Cutter, who I think is a pretty good play caller, but overall, their identity really has involved on offense. Defensively, they can't rush the passer. Their safety, you know, they already got one of them out. Um, I think there's a toughness missing about them. Overall, a guy who I thought would be a rising coach in this league in Dan Quinn, it's just not the case. Not anymore. You can't you can't have your team not be tough and be someone who ran the cover three from Seattle. You just can't. And I think he he's in danger of losing his job. I think they will ultimately be an average football team. Maybe he'll get an extra year. But ultimately, Devontae Freeman running for 28 yards with the rush offense on 12 carries, 2.3. That ain't going to cut it. Matt Ryan, of course, threw for an average of nine yards. But ultimately, you know, he's just going okay. And they don't really have many guys beyond Julio Jones, you know, that you can really rely upon kind of catching the ball. So we'll see where Atlanta goes. Uh, looks like they're going nowhere fast. I got them wrong. I thought they would be great. This was my uh, click to pick, if you will. Uh, yeah, I botched that one. Atlanta, they're not making the playoffs yet this year. They look absolutely horrible. They are 1-3. Okay, not all is bad in the NFL. Some teams are playing good. Some are trending up. Some that maybe you weren't sure which way they were going to go. None more than the Detroit Lions. Detroit headed into this week against the Chiefs undefeated. 2-0-1. They got the tie against Arizona in week one. And they were hanging tough. Looks like they were going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs on a last second toe tap by Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay is probably one of the more talented receivers out there. I tweeted it out last Thanksgiving. So this is Thanksgiving 2018. The Detroit Lions have the best, worst wide receivers I've seen. I really like their unit. I liked it since last year. I've liked uh, what Matt Patricia is trying to instill. I had the Lions as a fringe playoff team before the year. I just ultimately couldn't pick them. I thought it would be too much of a dogfight in the division. I still think it is, but ultimately they have been maybe 
the most reliable up until this point, along with Green Bay. Green Bay's been very good. Um, obviously, they lost to Philly, a pretty good team. But so did the Lions, and they hung tough against KC. Ultimately, I like what Stafford's doing. I think he he's managing the game a lot better. It used to be simply Matthew save us. That was the offense for years and years in Detroit. Throw the ball. He ha- he holds the record in NFL history for most pass attempts average during a football game. That is Matthew Stafford. And it used to be drop back, throw at least 35 times, all the way up to 50. And that's how the Detroit Lions won football games because they never had running backs. Now they do. Carry on Johnson, I like him. They are stuff and run. They got a toughness to him. They got linemen. On the defensive side of the ball, they rotate their D linemen. Uh, they got Mike Daniels. They got A. Sean Robinson. Um, they got the other Alabama cat. And then the identity as far as grooming cornerbacks, they did it without Darius Slay yesterday. But the cornerbacks with Matt Patricia... They're playing tough, disciplined football. They are checking to the right coverages. I like what the Lions are doing. Ultimately, I'm still not ready to say that they're talented enough to take it to the playoffs. I think there will be a deficiency against maybe some of the better teams. We already saw it against KC. But they hung with them to the end, and they know how to play hard. They will play tough. They will play hard. Detroit is on the rise. The next team... The Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, holy cow. Gardner Minshew. Look, are am I are we gonna get into the Foles Minshew thing? No, I'm not, okay? I still go with Foles. The reason being, Minshew physically has limits. The thing that I'm impressed with him about is his fundamentals. They're pretty sound. They're just not very fast. He's not very twitchy. His arm isn't that great. He didn't throw for that many yards during uh during that game against Denver. Okay, remember we said Leonard Fournette was 270 on the ground. Well, let's see how many yards that uh Mr. Minshew threw for. It was only I want to say like 180. I watched that game, but the thing that was impressive is that he had a sense for the nuances in the football game. He threw for 213 yards in the offense, 19 for 33, only six and a half an attempt. The thing that was impressive, we all saw the play where he's uh, dancing around the pocket. He was maneuvering beautifully. I remember I watched that. I go, wow. I mean, this guy has a sense. He's got an awareness in the pocket. And he obviously has thrown a lot of different uh, f- you know, different routes. He's thrown it around the yard. He knows how to scan. He was in Mike Leach's offense, which if you haven't been able to tell, I really like Mike Leach over at Washington State. Obviously, I'm a, I, I am an advocate for Luke Falk. I think he can play in this league. Garner Minshew... I mean, he, he's looked solid. I think at this point in time, he's still a backup just because, again, he doesn't have the arm. Uh, he's slow with the footwork. And, again, he, it's not like he's completed all the passes. Might be an indictment on the receivers down there in Jacksonville, however. But they are on the rise. They're playing good defense. For net, it's the best thing that could happen for him is getting Nick Foles off the field because Minshew knows how to take snaps under center. He's comfortable there. And that's the deep eye. He's more Adrian Peterson. Leonard Fournette, he had a big day on the ground. Jaguars are trending up. The next team, Seattle Seahawks. Maybe you could say that they've been trending up. But all I want to say is this team, you may say this about them. They run too much. You may say they're deficient in the secondary. You may say they're banged up on the defensive line. You know what the Seahawks do? Win. That's all they do. All they do is win. Of course, they lost last week to the Seattle or to the uh, New Orleans Saints, but when it's all said and done, this team is just—they—they they find a way to get it done. 
They just have that factor of, I'm going to find a way to beat you. Pete Carroll instills that in them. And, of course, they won yesterday against Arizona. Again, that's Arizona. But they're winning football games. And is there a better deep ball passer than Russell Wilson right now? I don't know in the NFL if there is. This guy is elite. There was talk that maybe Seattle might move on from him. Absolutely not. You do not move on from a Russell Wilson. You do not acquire draft picks to get another player. You keep Russell Wilson because he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Above the shoulders, physically, this is someone who is just next level. The Seahawks are trending up. The Chicago Bears. All of Mizzou rejoice. Chase Daniel got into the football game after Mitchell Trubisky landed on his shoulder. MRI looks all right for him. He's going to be out a few weeks. But Chase Daniel took over against the Minnesota Vikings, handled the offense beautifully. He played, as I always like to say, I've seen it a little bit here on Monday as I'm looking around and hearing stuff. He played point guard. That's all you need with this Chicago offense. Now, let's be clear on what I'm about to say. We've all known what his capabilities are. We know what Chase Daniel can do on the football field. There was nothing learned yesterday at Soldier Field against the Vikings, but there was nothing learned on the side of Chase Daniel. What we did learn with the Chicago Bears is that this defense hasn't missed a beat. They could potentially be better. Now, we're only through week four, but what we learned with Chase Daniel on that field as well as Chicago facing a okay offense, still an NFL offense, what we saw with two starters missing on the defensive line is the Chicago Bears. You may not have to score more than a, a, a pair of touchdowns and a couple of field goals to win most of your football games, which leads me to Mitchell Trubisky being out, Chase Daniel in. I'm on board. I am on board because for this team, this 2019 Bears team, he is the better option. Mitchell Trubisky plays because he has more physical upside. You can mold him a little bit more than you can Chase Daniels because he has more physical gifts, both as a runner, his arms better, um, you know, footwork is a little bit quicker. You can, you know, pocket presence. You know, it's not as good, but you believe you can coach it up because he's younger and he's played less football. Chase Daniel is what he is at this point, but. Mitchell Trubisky, while he has the explosive playability, that's not as pertinent. That's not as important for this Bears team because of the defense, because of the pass catchers that you have that are very reliable, are pretty talented overall. The Chicago Bears, Allen Robinson, Tariq Cohen, um, not Ertz, what's the tight end's name uh, from Philadelphia? His name is escaping me. But anyway, you just need someone serviceable. And I think that's Chase Daniel, because as we all know, Mitchell Trubisky, off that first read, he's not, I mean, he's looking to run. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. The playbook, like Jared Goff, hasn't evolved to this point, and that's okay. It could. I don't think it will. Personally, I, I would be looking to move on at quarterback if I were the Bears. But at this season, at this juncture, Chase Daniel is the better option. The Bears are trending up. They should roll with Chase, even when Trubisky is back. Okay, let's get into the totality of the MLB postseason. You got my Cardinals thoughts already. Let's move on to the American League. We'll finish up the National League afterwards. But here's what I think as far as overall how I assess each team heading into the postseason. I'm really not gonna I'm not gonna lay predictions just because MLB, like I said, it's so crazy. I wouldn't be surprised how it turns out. All of these teams can take it 
all the way to the top. Every single one of them. The Rays, even the um, who just snuck in the Brewers, they can take it all the way there. It's baseball, man. Anything can happen. One ball this way, one pitcher can shut it down. One swing can be the outcome in a game. It's uh, it's really beautiful. I like it. I know a lot of people don't like the postseason because over 162, you can be fabulous, and then you can be out. Others like it because you can be just okay, and then you can heat up come October. I think it's perfect just the way it is. For the Minnesota Twins, I think they are on the side where it's less likely they take it all the way. I just don't trust them in a seven-game series, okay? I think their starting pitching has been good up until this point. Um, they really rely on the home run. What's going to happen when they run into those those really good starters? Okay, it may not be the New York Yankees because they got their own problems. But ultimately, in a seven-game series against the Astros or a seven-game series uh, even against the Rays, they or excuse me, the Oakland A's and the Rays, but mainly the Oakland A's, I don't like them up against starting pitching, power starting pitching, even with all their home run potential. I know they just hit a record, over 300 ding-dongs, but ultimately that can get exploited on a game-to-game basis. I'm not saying they're not going to hit them, but when it's all said and done, I can see a pitcher shutting them down and them just scoring one run or two runs on a couple of solo shots. they got to be able to clog the bases. Are they going to be able to do that? I just don't know. When you got Justin Verlander, when you got Garrett Cole, I could see the Twins taking the first uh, of the of the series, the five-game set against the Yankees, but ulti- ultimately, when it's all said and done, World Series, I don't know about the twink- uh, about the Twinkies. New York Yankees. They got to get average length out of their starters. They got to get average length. Uh, it cannot be like 2017. They'll lose to the Astros in seven games, or you know, even maybe they'll even lose out uh, in a five-game set, but Aaron Boone cannot be too quick to go to that bullpen you got to trust Luis Severino okay is he healthy or is he not is he ready to pitch uh big maple is he is that glute gonna hurt him let him pitch okay this is what you pay him to pitch for if he's a little banged up he's got to pitch through it they got to get some average length so they don't burn out for the second series otherwise you know they'll just move on to the NLDS and they won't beat the Astros Rays or A's it's very important that they get average length out of it. Otherwise, they'll burn out. I like their lineup. Okay, I like their situational hitting along with their pop. I think really it's the most balanced offense that you got out there. Maybe the Astros are better. I don't know. I like the Yankees a little bit more just because they can score a few more ways. Their defense is, is pretty good. Um, it's really going to come down to you can't overuse that bullpen. You just can't because it's going to hurt you in the next round if it doesn't you know cost you in the first. The A's? This is probably the most dangerous team. The A's have really just gotten some superb starting pitching. I think they're going to throw Manaya on Wednesday, rightfully so. He, uh, he, he'll he throw the kitchen sink at you. Okay, he's good. He'll throw the kitchen sink at you. And, and I like their other starters as far as just overwhelming any team in this postseason. And then, of course, they're pop. They hit homers. But they're the best defensive club. They're the best defensive club here, and I think they can suppress runs, especially when we're talking about situational baseball and putting the ball in play and moving runners over. They're not going to hurt themselves. I think this is the most dangerous team. Ultimately, I don't know if the bullpen can really shut it down late in games. That's where I don't like them. Um, I like them to win this game, though, this wild card game. I'm taking them over the Rays. You know, my guy Fairbanks, of course, Pete, we are rooting for you. Over here at the podcast, we want you guys to take it home. I just don't know if cash money 
all those different substitutions he's going to make. We know there's going to be a million of them. It's going to be a five-hour game. I'm already dreading having to stay up that late. I'm going to be too tired. But I, you know, I, I, I think the A's get it done here. On the flip side of Tampa Bay, again, you know, if they win, if they take this, it there, too much has to go right. I talked about it with Schilte. The thing about it, about passing off innings to each reliever or taking someone out at the first sign of trouble. Because I'm going I'm to be tweeting my ass off about this all postseason. The moment you see trouble, or the moment trouble could happen when players get on the base paths and you think the pitcher's out, that's when you could be overthinking things. Because sometimes it is the right move, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you have to go with the lesser option. Sometimes you should not go with what the numbers say. Because the best man for the job then might be the best man for the job later and you need him later. And that's why you don't put him in the ball game. We will see if the Rays, if that happens in the first game. Maybe they get they win this wild card game. I just don't think it can happen even over a five-game series. That's pretty tough. Keeping guys fresh, getting length. I know they got Morton. He's been good. Uh, Blake Snell, we'll see how they use him. We got Richards. We got Fairbanks. I'm going against my former teammates. I don't want to do it, but we know... You know we keep it objective here on the podcast. I'm going against some guys. I hope you prove me wrong. I'm sorry. I just don't know if cash money can get it done against the A's. Even in one game, too much has to go right on any given baseball game. We go on to the final team in the American League. There's really not much to say. Houston Astros are an absolute juggernaut. Up and down, all around, they are the best team in the American League, maybe in baseball. I think they're going to the World Series. You got two of the Best pitchers in the league right now. They're swapping or they're going to be stealing American League Cy Young votes from them. Um, Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, pick your poison. Lineup is long. You got, um, not Reyes, you got Jordan Alvarez, who over the course of the year would hit 51 ding-dongs. Yeah, they're good. Defensively, you got Alex Bregman, just been a star. Altuve, Correa, he's a little banged up, but he'll be fine. I don't know. What? How do you not choose the Astros? They're just too deep. Cardinals, yeah, we talked about them. Next team in the National League will go to the Brewers. You know, they're really firing on all cylinders here. They could make it to the World Series. They could. I really have been impressed with Craig Counselor. He is a good manager. But, Braun's out. I mean, he might be out. He, he's hurt, you know that. He's going to be playing less than 100%. We know that. Yelich is out. You know... They've filled him admirably. You know, that, that that outfielder. What's his name? Oh, gosh, what's his name? I forget it. But, you know, they're going to run out of gas is basically all I'm saying. They're capable, but that's a lot of steam to keep up for, you know, two months practically. Seven weeks we're talking about. I don't like the Brewers here. I think they can uh, I think they can win the wild card game. I don't know if they will against the Nationals. That's, that's definitely the tougher game to pick. Um, but ultimately, they're not going to take it to the World Series. I think they... If they go anywhere, it'll be to the NLCS. They'll run out of gas in the same fashion that they did. Uh, Moving on to the Braves. This is probably your best bet in the postseason. This is your best bet. We will see just how good Brian Snicker is. Um, You look for Fulton Nevich. He's going to be looking for redemption. He laid an egg against the Dodgers last year. You hope that the pitching there grows up a little bit. Someone's going to have to step up, take the pill, and shove it for seven or eight innings. Who's going to be that guy? Is it going to be Keuchel? Is it going to be Freed? Soroka? Who's it going to be? 
You need Fulton Nevich. Like I said, he's going to be on the mend uh, after what he threw out there last year. The bullpen's where you get a little shaky, and that's why I say you got to shove it for seven or eight innings. They are deep in talent, and they are deep in their lineup. They have power potential, and this is, again, one of the better bench-deep teams that I've seen. I like any of their guys having to substitute against a platoon option. Moving on to the Nats. Could this be it? Could this be it? Anthony Rendon reportedly was offered a seven-year, $215 million contract by the Learners earlier this year by the Nationals. Ted Lerner, of course, is the owner. Mark Lerner, his son. They offered him a contract, but it could be the last rodeo. Could be the last one. The Nats, uh, their pitching has been excellent. Their bullpen's been so-so. They got a little mojo to them. I mean, I, I think... Ultimately, gosh, this game's so hard. I really don't know who to pick in this one. I like both teams, uh, Brewers and Nationals. Um, I'm going with the Nats. I'm going with them, whether it's Strasburg, whether it's Scherzer. I I feel like maybe it has been announced, but I don't know. Anyway, whoever starts, I like either of them. Uh, You know, as far as recency and hot hand, that would be Strasburg. But ultimately, I like Scherzer answering the bell. They likely could use both of them. Uh, I think the Nationals, especially in the home park, they get it done. Um, and I do like them as far as being able to take it all the way. But it's the bullpen late in games. That's what worries me. Same with the uh, with the A's. you got to get length, but you also got to be able to finish it off. In a seven-game series, I worry about the Nationals more than the A's as far as blowing games and uh, not being able to win four out of uh, four out of seven. And then you got the Dodgers. Don't overthink it. That's what I'm telling them. I think they... Of the two teams, of the two powerhouses, three if you want to throw the Yankees in there, Astros, Yankees, and Dodgers, this is the team that they'll beat themselves. And it could happen because this is what happens with Dave Roberts. I love him as a manager, but sometimes he relies way, way too much on the numbers. Sometimes just go with what your eyes say. He's playing well. Let him go. Don't You don't have to go with every platoon split. You, do, you don't have to do it. Who is seeing the ball better? Who's drawing the walks? Who's making more solid contact? Keep Jock Peterson in the game if he's the better option. Okay? Let Will Smith hit if he's the better option. Don't throw Russell uh, Martin out there. He's old. He's not as good. He's not seeing the ball. You don't have to throw him in there for pitch framing against, you know, um, you know Pedro Baez. Just go with what your eyes show you. So they could overthink it. They're obviously very good. They're deep in their arms. But I just, I, I could see them, I could see them not making it because they're just going to overthink it because they've done it every postseason. Again, that's, you know, how I see every team going into the playoffs. I'm not really making predictions beyond the wild card just because they're coming up here. It's a crapshoot. Anybody could get it done. That's why I love baseball. Enjoy the, enjoy all October. Enjoy the games this week. Enjoy the NFL. We will talk to you next week.